Hello, New York City Church and New Jersey. Can't forget New Jersey. It is great to be with you today. I am honored to be able to share a lesson with you today. We're going to be talking about God is all this semester for the rest of the year. And think about that. God is who? God is what? Maybe put it in the chat. Uh, when you think of a title or you think of an adjective that describes God, who is God? God is blank. What does that mean to you? We'll be talking about a number of different characteristics of God in this uh, last part of the year. But we don't do that just to for us to try to see who God is. We also reflect on ourselves as we do that. Who is God and how can I be more like him? Who is God? And as his people, how can we be more like him? And that is what we're going to be exploring together. My topic today is God is the great I am. And of course, this comes from Exodus chapter 3. And one of the things that I appreciate so much about God is that we don't have to just go off in a corner and speculate about who he is. And what his nature is like. We don't have to just uh, philosophize about, okay, this is what I think God might possibly be. God has revealed himself to us. And God lets us know who he is. And when you look in the scriptures, we get to see this is God. And he does this in such a very great way in Exodus chapter 3. God is the great I am. Oh man, I wish we had time to really explore Exodus chapter 3 and look at it bit by bit and piece by piece. But we, if, if we were to do that, we wouldn't be able to focus in on what we should focus in on, and that is God revealing his name to Moses. And by doing that, revealing his character to Moses, because in this ancient setting, the name was associated with the character. So who does God reveal himself as being to Moses here in Exodus chapter 3? Let's zero in on this part of the story. If you know the story at all, then you know that Moses was raised as the son of the most powerful person in the world at that time, Pharaoh of Egypt. But then Moses went into the desert. And while he was in the desert, he sees this burning bush. He's a shepherd looking out, sees this burning bush, and he's he's drawn to it because it's consumed in flame, but it, it's not being consumed. It just keeps burning bright. And so he goes over, and God speaks from that burning bush and reveals himself to Moses. And when you get down to verse 10, it says... This is God speaking to Moses. So now I am sending you to Pharaoh for you to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. That's a prophetic call. And with many prophetic calls in the Bible, the person who's supposed to be the prophet, they protest. Well, just hold on a second here. And that's what Moses does. And he gives all these excuses, and we won't be able to look at all of them because of time. But let me, let me look at two of them, and the second one we'll really drill down on a bit. First, Moses says, in verse 11, Who am I to go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? 
Well, that's, that's, a, that's his excuse. Well, why me of all people? Why in the world would you pick me? Look, I'm a shepherd. I'm keeping a, a flock of sheep here. They're not even mine, okay? They're my father-in-law's, and so uh, why pick me? But he forgets that, you know, you were raised the son of Pharaoh. The brother that you were raised with is now Pharaoh himself. I mean, God's really picking somebody who's quite qualified. But sometimes we um, we protest when God calls us. And that's what Moses is doing here. So what does God say? And this ties into God revealing his name. In verse 12, he says, I shall be with you. I'll be with you. And this is the sign by which you will know that I was the one who sent you. After you have led the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain, Mount Horeb. So God takes away that excuse. And then Moses gives a second excuse. In verse 13, he said to God, look, if I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they say to me, what's his name? What am I to tell them? In other words, you're sending me, and I don't even know who you are. I don't even know your name. And God then takes away that excuse by revealing his name to Moses. And this is the verse I want us to focus in on. God is the great I am. God said to Moses, I am he who is. And he said, this is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. God is the great I am. Or God is I am. Let's explore that a little bit. Because God in revealing his name, he's not just saying his name, he's revealing who he is to Moses. This word here, I am, okay, it is one word there in the Hebrew, and it's actually four letters. It's known as, get, you ready for this? The Holy Tetragrammaton. Tetragrammaton in Greek means four letters. So it was made up of four letters, actually four consonants, because the vowels had dropped out. So these four consonants were the name of God. Scholars um, debate exactly how to pronounce it. We're not exactly sure, uh, because as I mentioned, the vowels dropped out. In order never to take the name of the Lord in vain, you just never said his name. And so the pronunciation of his name got lost over the years. But scholars believe maybe it's Yahweh, definitely based on something that has to do with the verb to be. Um, when you read it in the Hebrew, you usually substitute the word Adonai there, Lord. Um, some would say Jehovah. And then when you translate it into the English, you put the Lord usually in the text or Lord. Capitalize it, put it in a different font, make it look a little different. Although we don't know how to pronounce the name, we do have a sense of what the name means because it is based, based on the verb to be. And so the RSV, the new RSV, Revised Standard Version, says this. In the text, it says, I am who I am. That, that's what the name of God means. I am who I am. In a footnote, it says, um, 
I am what I am, or here's another alternative, I will be who I will be. And so in some sense, there's that to be verb that's being used to say God is. God is present. God is I am. God is with us, as he said a little bit earlier. And that's the sense of this revelation of God right here. God revealing himself. You say to them, I am sent you. The present one. The one who is presence. The one who is, is. The one who is to be. My uh, my Hebrew professor, John Durham, he was a man. What a great professor. He actually wrote the uh, commentary on Exodus and the word biblical commentary. And I was, I was I, it was really a great privilege to learn from him. But when he talked about this passage, he said that his translation of this word is, you go tell them Mr. Is sent you. I love that. I think if he were today, around today, he would use probably more inclusive language. And I think he would just say, you go tell them is sent you. Now, I hope you catch that. You go tell them the present one, the one who always is, the one who always was, is right now, will always be the present one. He's the one who sent you because that's who God is. God is always present with us. There are times where we might feel like he is absent. And that's true even in the Bible. You look at some of the psalmists and the psalmists at times they will just be very frank and they'll say, God, where are you? God, wake up. I need you right now. And they had that sense of God being absent, but God is present even when it appears he is absent. He is never gone from us. He is always with us. And he tells Moses, I, I'm going to be with you every step of the way. And he is because that's his nature. That's who he is. And you can put your faith in that. You can trust in that, that God is with you. Even in your darkest night, John St. John of the Cross used to talk about the dark night of the soul. And the dark night of the soul is these times where you have this just this existential feeling like I, I, am, I am alone here. I am by myself here. I cannot find my way out of this. Even in those times, God is present with you. I remember a time in my own life in which my mother was very sick and she'd been sick for a number of years. They couldn't exactly pinpoint why she was so sick. Um, and she went from doctor to doctor. She and my dad lived in Tennessee. We were living here in New York. We'd just gotten back from a trip to India, just looking to do mission work in India. And I was supposed to, I actually did preach that Sunday. It was called India Day. I remember it. We got a phone call from Tennessee and Lee told me, she said, Steve, you need to sit down. And I had been planning on going to see my mom. The surgeons actually said, wait till the surgery is over. Come visit then. She'll need you more after the surgery. 
Well, they took her in to do a scan and she just died on the table. She never made it to surgery. But then Lee told, tells me also, she said, then that's not all, Steve. You need to, I have more to, to tell you. When your dad was coming back from the hospital after your mom dad passed, um, he was in a car accident and he's had a heart attack. And I can remember my world being shaken at that point. I wasn't, my, I just lost my mom. I wasn't sure what shape my dad was in. Fortunately, he survived that and he lived into his 90s, so 30 more years plus. And yet at the moment, it seemed like this is the dark night of my soul. And I know many of you have been going through that. Many of you have lost loved ones in the pandemic and you've not been able to say goodbye. You've not been able to be there by their side. And you've not been able to be at the funeral. My dad could not go to my mom's funeral because he was in the hospital himself. And I went down and it just felt so incredibly heavy. But there was another sense to me that I knew that even in the midst of all of that, God was present because that's who God is. God is present even in the darkest moments. Have you ever gone through something with your children? You know, your children have um, been sick. Your children have gone through things. There's nothing worse than that. I mean, you would rather take the sickness on yourself than to see your child suffering through it. Those are dark nights, really dark nights of the soul. And it's there's a temptation to feel like, oh, God is not in this. God is absent from all of this. But that's not who God is. That's not the nature of God. He's present even in the darkest times. And in times in which we can't figure out what to do and we don't know the answers, God is present. And that's where we should put our faith and our trust that God is present in this moment. That's who God is. God is the great I am. God is present. And as Christians, there's a couple other things I want us to talk about because not only is God present, when you turn to Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, and you look at what it says about Jesus, this is fantastic because it says, Behold, a virgin with child will have a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel, which is being translated, God with us. And so with Jesus, we have also this sense of God is present. God is with us. Not only God, and the God the Father, and the God of the Hebrew Bible, but also Jesus. Jesus is with us, always present. And that's fantastic. Because when you look at Jesus, you're actually seeing God. And when you think about living out your day, you have Jesus with you all the time. That's fantastic. Not only that, my, my friend Mike Todd used to say, he'd get on a roll, he'd say, and that's not all, there's more beside. And not only that, there's more beside. Um, think about the Holy Spirit, because it tells us in Acts 2.38, um, Peter said to them, repent, change your heart to change your life. And be immersed, each of you, in the name or by the authority of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift 
which is the Holy Spirit. I think that's the right way to translate it. The gift which is or who is the Holy Spirit. And so not only do we have Jesus with us all the time, we have the Holy Spirit with us all the time. God is. He's always there. Jesus is God with us. He's always there. And the Holy Spirit is this gift we've been given when we're baptized. He's with us all the time. We take him wherever we go. That's fantastic. And I know we don't talk about that enough. We don't focus on that enough. We don't talk about the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives enough. But man, we should. He's our constant traveling companion. He is our counselor. He is our guide. There are times when we don't know what to pray, but the Holy Spirit will go to the Father for us. He is there with us. He leads us to all truth. He leads us to spiritual blessings. He shows us the spiritual gifts that we have. Wherever you go, the Holy Spirit is there. So what am I saying from all this? I'm saying we should take a lot, actually get a lot of confidence because God is always with us. We will never have all the answers for everything that's going on around us. But one thing we do have, the presence of God. He's always with us. And that's fantastic. There's a verse in Hebrews that talks about that sentiment. It's in um, Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. It says, keep your life free from friendship with money and be content with what you have. For God has said, and this is a quote from the God who is the great I am. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And then it goes on, it says, so that we say with confidence, because God has said, I'm always there. I am the I am. Now you can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. Isn't that fantastic? I mean, how many times do we look around us and we don't have the answers, but God is our helper. He can help us figure it out. If we'll trust in him, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can humans do to me? It's fantastic that God is with us every step of the way. Howard Thurman, who wrote Jesus and the Disinherited, I've mentioned that book before. When he was a small boy, his mom woke him up in the middle of the night and took him outside to see Halley's Comet, to watch it streak across the sky. And Thurman writes about this in his book, and he asked his mom, he said, you know, are we okay? Are we okay watching this? Is the comet going to hit the earth? He had some concerns. And um, his mom said, just gave him this little um, word here. He says, nothing will happen to us, Howard. God will take care of us. And that's what God was telling Moses. Moses I've got you. I am here with you. Thurman would go on to write, Many things have I seen since that night. Times without number I have learned that life is hard, as hard as crucible steel. But as the years had unfolded and the majestic power of my mother's glowing words have come back again and again, beating out its rhythmic chant in my own spirit, here are the faith and the awareness that overcome fear and transform it into the power to strive, to achieve, and not to 
yield. We can have confidence, not because we are all that, because we aren't all that. We can have confidence because God is all that. And because God is with us. Because God is I am. Because God is. And he's our helper. And so we look around and we see things around us that just perplex the mind. And we wonder, what are we to do? Trust. Trust in God. Let God see you through it. Because God is with you. He is always present. There are many things in life that want to beat us up, that want to bully us, that want to push us around. You know, Satan's there. Sin is there. We look at injustice in the world around us. And it's just very, very troubling. The thing that we can do is realize God is with us. Jesus is God with us. The Holy Spirit is with us. God is our helper. Therefore, we must not lose heart. We must not give up the fight. We must remain vigilant and hopeful. We must strive for victory. We must not yield to small defeats because we will win the battle, not ourselves, but because of God, because we fight with God on our side, because the victory is won through Jesus. We must look up and see God because he is there, but not just look up, look beside us because he's right beside us as well. Not just look up and beside us, look forward and behind us because he's all around us. He envelops us. That's who God is. God is the great I am. And with the great I am, the victory will be won. Now, I just want to end up with one little thing right here, okay? Here's the thing. Since God is I am and God is present, what does that challenge us to do? It challenges us to be present also, doesn't it? It challenges us to be in the moment and to live in the moment. It challenges us to uh, not get distracted by all the things around us that could so easily distract us and still our confidence and still our faith. It challenges us that whenever we're engaged with someone, that we give them our full person, that we give them our full attention, that we don't um, constantly bring out the cell phone. You know, we live in that moment. You know, I love Thoreau when he said that he went out to the woods and it says, I wanted to live deep and suck out all the marrow of life. Live in the moment. There's a word for that in the Bible. It's a Greek word and it's called kairos. Kairos is this special appointed time. It is the moment. And we need to live in that moment because that's where God lives. God is the great I am. God is. He lives in the moment. He is present. <laughs> and therefore, we need to live in the moment also. Let me just ask you, do you live intently? Do you live with a purpose? We should not let life happen to us. We need to happen to life because of who God is. We need to make the most of every moment. We shouldn't reach the end of the day and wonder, where did my day go? We should reach the end of the day and realize I've done something today with God because God has been with me. God is the I am. 
He is present with us. And since he is present, we must also be present. I want to ask you to wake up every morning this week and just begin your day by saying, God is. And I also want you to think about God is, I am. God is present. And then call on him throughout the day because he's your helper. And that's where your confidence comes from, knowing that he is with you. Carpe diem. Seize the day because God is the great I am. Now we're going to take communion right now. I know that's um, that's some transition right there. We're going to take communion right now. And God is present in communion as well. He's with us right now. So just throw aside the thoughts of the world. Think about who God is and be in this moment. Reflecting on the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you that you are the great I am. We thank you that you are with us. We pray, Father, that you will bless this fruit of the vine, bless this bread. We pray to remember the purpose of it. And I pray, Father, that we will live for you every day this week. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.